Hello and welcome to History with Jackson. Well, I hope you liked our brand new intro just then. Um, and I hope you're looking forward to learning all about Edward II's successor and son, Edward III. Now, as usual, we will look at who he was, what his early life was like, what his reign was like, and his death, and then bring everything together to analyse whether he was a good king or not. So I hope you're looking forward to learning about Edward III. Now, before I get into that, I just want to say thank you very much to The Historian's Magazine for kindly sponsoring this episode of the English and British Monarchs series. Now, as I mentioned last week, The Historian's Magazine has loads of great articles and content about history throughout the ages. I've got the latest copy here, edition Four Terrible Tales from Time. It features articles about Guy Fawkes, the star in the estate and so on. I've written it in it as well and I will be writing in the next edition. So thank you very much to The Historian's uh, Magazine for sponsoring this episode of History of Jackson. Who was Edward III? Edward III was born on the 13th of November 1312 at Windsor Castle to Edward II and Isabella of France. He grew to be like his father and his grandfather as he was tall, strong and handsome. And his embalmed body had been measured and he stood at six foot two. He also grew to be a strong and capable military leader. So what was Edward's early life like? Now, Edward was born in a particularly difficult political period for his father. And his father was able to use Edward's birth as a political tool to marginally increase his own power and position. As he was able to demonstrate that he had an heir through which his dynasty could continue. Edward III, like his father and his grandfather before him, was used in the political games of both his father and his mother. His dad used him to improve his position at home and in France. Meanwhile, his mother, Isabella of France, used him to usurp Edward II and allow herself and Roger Mortimer to rule England through Edward III. So what was Edward's reign like? So as we learned last week, Edward was declared king after the forced resignation of his father. Edward was declared king on the 25th of January 1327 and then six days later he was coronated at Westminster Abbey. The following year in 1328, Edward married Philippa of Hainault, who would become his queen and bear him several children. Throughout this period, England was ruled by Isabella of France and her lover, Roger Mortimer, with Roger taking a more active role in this government. Now, Roger and Edward frequently clashed as Roger made several decisions that enraged the young king. One of which was Roger used his office to enrich himself and bestow upon himself more lands, titles and money. And he also was defeated by the Scots in battle, having to sign a treaty to prevent an escalation of this. Now, in 1330, Edward and Philippa had a child, Edward of Windsor, 
otherwise known as the Black Prince. This made Edward III feel that he was in a strong enough position to remove Roger Mortimer, and he did, and he arrested him and had him executed, thus beginning his personal rule. As punishment, he also imprisoned his mother in a life of luxury at Castle Rising in Norfolk. At this time, Parliament was also evolving into a bi-chamberal system, with two chambers that we see today, the House of Lords and the House of Commons. This made it easier for Edward to go to Parliament to look for taxes as he had to speak to the House of Commons as opposed to both houses. This was a significant reform which we can still see its lasting effects today. In 1332, a group of northern nobles called the Disinherited, who had lost their lands in Roger Mortimer's Scottish Treaty, decided to invade Scotland to regain their lands. The Disinherited usurped David II of Scotland and in his place put John Balliol's son Edward on the throne. However, very quickly their successful invasion started to crumble and Edward had to get involved. Edward's involvement in Scotland came in the form of a full-scale invasion. As he claimed Berwick, he kept Balliol on the throne and he made Scotland a dominion of England again. However, resistance centred around Robert Stuart, who was Robert the Bruce's grandson. And the usurped David II was sitting in France under the protection of Philip VI. As Scotland and France were in alliance at this point, the French king led raids into the south of England and began to put pressure on Edward about his lands in France, such as Gascony. He felt that the Scottish situation with England reflected the French situation with Gascony. And in response to Edward's movements in Scotland, the French king confiscated Aquitaine and Ponthou from the English. And then King Edward, as opposed to negotiating for homage or peace with the French, he made a claim for the French throne through his mother. And thus started the Hundred Years' War with the Battle of Sluice, which resulted in an English naval victory. In 1346, war ignited again as the Scots invaded from the north. Edward was able to repel this invasion and he captured King David II at the Battle of Neville's Cross. He then launched a full-scale campaign into France with his eldest son Edward the Black Prince. Edward and his son routed the French at the Battle of Cressy and Poitiers and they captured Calais. They continued to invade and conquer vast swathes of France and Prince Edward the Black Prince was installed as the ruler of these French lands and he ruled from Bordeaux on behalf of his father. From here much of the English campaign in France was delegated to Edward's sons. 
and the conflict reignited in 1356 when the Black Prince met the King of France in open battle at the Battle of Poitiers. The Black Prince defeated the French and captured the French King. This was a significant victory for the English in France. The following year, the Black Prince also expanded English influence into Castile as he invaded Castile to help King Pedro reclaim his throne and expel the French from Castile. In 1369, Edward III launched his final French campaign. And he apparently, although the source is dubious, he apparently massacred the 3,000 unarmed inhabitants of Le Mans. This was counter to Edward's chivalric code, therefore we're not entirely sure if this event happened. But this campaign was largely unsuccessful and it resulted in a treaty between Edward and the King of France in which certain small patches of land were given back to the French. This was a particularly difficult time for Edward personally as his wife, who he was unusually loyal to, passed away and many of his Loyal supporters who he'd promoted himself when he was younger had began or were starting to pass away as well. So he was left largely dependent on his sons for support. Now, during Edward's reign, it was not just about the Hundred Years' War. The Edwardian stretch of the Hundred Years' War saw huge events and reforms happen back home. In 1337, Edward proposed a reform to the wool trade, which would greatly enrich both Flanders and England. He also created a brand new order, the Order of the Garter, which became the highest chivalric order in England and still is today. And in 1348, the Black Death hit England and Wales and it saw one third of the population die, and this placed a huge financial burden on the crown. Another reform which Edward passed through in 1352 was the first statute of treason. It meant that bringing death upon the king, his firstborn son, assisting the king's enemies or counterfeiting coins would be defined as treason and punishable by death. During and after these events, England still had the upper hand over France in the Hundred Years' War. However, in 1471, the Black Prince returned to England ill and passed over control of English lands in France to his brother, John of Gaunt. John of Gaunt oversaw a mass loss of English lands to the French throughout his period of control in France. With his return to England, Edward the Black Prince tried to gain more control at court so that he could put in place the succession plan that Edward had. But he found Edward's mistress, Alice Perez, owing significant control over his father. But as the Black Prince and Edward III grew increasingly ill and old, John O'Gaunt started 
to gain control over English government. The Black Prince, Edward III's heir, had began to be ill in 1371 after the death of his eldest son, Edward of Angremer. And in thirteen and in thirteen seventy six, after a long battle with dysentery and illness, the Black Prince passed away. This made his nine year old son, Richard, the king's heir to the throne. And in September thirteen seventy six, Edward the Third grew ill due to a large abscess. And the following year, in 1377, he passed away after a stroke, leaving the 10-year-old grandson, Richard, as king. Now, was Edward a good king? Now, in my opinion, Edward was. He was the king that England needed after his father's reign. He did not give titles out lightly. He protected England's northern border. And he stood up for England in France. These are all things that England needed after the rule of his father. Furthermore, he also fulfilled the first duty of kingship. With him and Philippa of Hainault having several sons, including the Black Prince, Lionel of Antwerp, John of Gaunt, Thomas, Duke of Gloucester and Edmund, Duke of York. Whilst this amount of sons might have been vitally important to Edward at that point in time, it did create more issues for English monarchs further down the line, as there were several royal lines that could have a viable claim to the throne. Edward also made significant reforms to English government that can still be felt today. He was also aware of history. He saw that sons being financially dependent upon their king, their father, could create issues. So he set Edward the Black Prince up with the Duchy of Cornwall so that the prince was financially independent from his father. So yes, I think Edward III was a very good king and the king that England needed at that time. So as always, I'd like to recommend some books for you guys to go away and learn more about the period. So firstly is Gwyn's Kings and Queens of England. I can't recommend this book enough. It's a fantastic sailing guide to the English monarchy. And if you want to learn just small snippets on English monarchical history, I'd thoroughly recommend this one. Now, if you're looking for something a little bit more narrative, uh, a little bit more in depth, I'd recommend Dan Jones's The Plantagenets. I don't think this book can be beaten on narrative history at a higher level, so I thoroughly recommend Dan Jones. It does read really, really well. Now, if you're looking for something a little bit more specific on this period, I'd recommend Michael Jones's The Black Prince. This is a great book, it's readable, and it talks about some of these experiences by looking through the lens of Edward the Black Prince. So I thoroughly recommend this book. And then finally, finally, is Simon Sharma's A Story of Britain. Uh, I think this book is absolutely fantastic. And there is, I believe, a BBC series that accompanies it. So if you want to 
get your hands on some great books to learn about this period, those four books will be in the description below. Now, finally, just from me, the crystallisation of totalitarianism, how the 1953 conference defined the term, is out now, available on Amazon and my website if you'd like a signed copy. Uh, the links for those will be in the description below. And if you'd want to follow everything History Jackson related, we are on social media and you can see our social media profiles on the links below on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and if you want, LinkedIn. If you want to keep up with everything History of Jackson related on a website, please head to www.historyofjackson.co.uk. On there, you'll find my podcasts, my videos, uh, books that I've recommended, and the, uh, the crystallization of totalitarianism as well. If you like what we do here on History of Jackson, please head to uh, Buy Me A Coffee profile. On there, you can support us. And if you do enjoy these videos and these podcasts, please leave a review and please share to your friends and family and other history lovers. I'm sure they will enjoy our content. Thank you very much for watching, guys, or listening. And join us next episode where we'll talk about Richard II of England. Thank you very much, guys.